0: Welcome to the Become Who You Are podcast, the production of the John Paul II Renewal Center. I'm Jack Grigardt, your host. Thanks for joining us. I'm so excited you're here with me today. Uh, we're going to continue with our new podcast series based on a book that I'm writing called Become Who You Are in 12 Simple Steps, Rediscovering Life in Abundance, Meaning and Purpose in a World Gone Mad. This series is taking us on a journey. Each episode includes real people who have encountered God in their lives. Each episode will also integrate one of the twelve steps of Alcoholics Anonymous with Saint John Paul II's theology of the body. This combination it delivers an incredible one-two punch that, when in put into practice, will make an eye stress will make a dramatic, positive, and often immediate impact on your life. Let me explain up front that I'm not an alcoholic, and if you've never taken a drink or even thought about it, you'll benefit from the 12 steps because it taps into a timeless wisdom of the ages, and the proof of its effectiveness includes my friends, former addicts who are walking, talking, miracles, and through an encounter with God, radically changed from hopeless addicts to men and women who are an inspiration to the world. And here's the key is the word encounter, encounter with God, it's the key to this series, to the book I'm writing, and it's the most normal thing that a human being can do. An encounter with God in your life, upfront and personal. And if you haven't experienced it, it's not because God has been trying to encounter you. The reason the 12 steps is because many of the most radically changed men and women I know firsthand are 12-steppers. Former addicts who had encountered God through Alcoholics Anonymous, many of them without any former belief or training. Through my friendship and willingness to journey with them, I've learned more about love and the power of God to transform our lives for the better than any former religious uh, training I've had. Isn't this the gospel story? Lives changed by an encounter with Jesus Christ. I'm excited about discussing Jesus Christ 2,000 years after he burst upon the scene because he showed up in my life, period. And when he did, amazing things happened. Pope Benedict XVI stated this reality in the the introduction to his first encyclical as Pope, God is love, when he wrote, being Christian is not the result of an ethical choice or, or some lofty idea, but an encounter with an event, an encounter with a person, which gives life a new horizon and a decisive direction. What Catherine of Siena, the great saints, the mystics, and many of the former addicts I know found is when they aimed their deep yearning burning desire for something more than the world had to offer at the gospel, they encountered the person of Jesus Christ. This encounter gave them a new horizon and a decisive direction for their lives. They were radically transformed. Become who you are, Catherine of Siena said, and you will set the world on fire. Well, it's time to buckle up, and I'll be right back with today's episode. It's so good to be with you. Hey, thanks for joining us. This is the conclusion of the Become Who You Are in 12 Simple Steps. Uh, If you didn't listen to the last episode, this is kind of a conclusion, kind of coming off of piggybacking on that one. Uh, Please remember to subscribe uh, to the podcast. Remember that, that again, that the podcast that we're doing here is not... uh, like a news show, it's a library. Think of it as a library with all these podcasts as books. And whenever you need to to reach up there, say you're talking to your 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 kids, your teens about love, what love is, maybe pornography, maybe your spouse. You know what what does it mean to be married in 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 the church or whatever it could be. And so just reach up there, grab that off, let them listen to it. It's so much easier that way. And then you can have a discussion, right? Please remember uh, to be a one time or monthly patron. We could really use a few more. Um, monthly patrons. Uh, As little as $10 a month really helps us out the budget. Hey, let's get on with this. This is the conclusion. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, You know, let's just make this as simple as possible. The whole Bible Can be summed up in five words: God wants to marry us. God wants to marry us. You know, the Bible begins in a marriage with in an earthly paradise with Adam, the marriage of Adam and Eve. It ends in a heavenly paradise with the marriage of Christ and the church. We're all called into that final marriage. That's where we're all going. You know, on the Christ Jesus clearly is a model for a God who is love. And a model that expressed this love in his human body when he gave himself totally up for his bride, when he climbed the marriage bed of, uh, of the cross and gave himself totally, freely, faithfully, and then fruitfully to us, huh? That's a marriage proposal when you look at Jesus, the the eternal bridegroom giving himself to his bride, huh? To all of us. You know, in and, and like my brother Danny. And Bill W. and so many great friends, uh, you know those of those people who have said yes. Huh, enter into that. That's what that spiritual awakening is, huh? That's that spiritual awakening. You know why? Ultimately, on this side of eternity, we're going to have to wait to see that total mystery unfold what does that mean to be in union and in, in communion with trinitarian love huh? but well, all i know is we step into it now and it resolves it fixes so much of the brokenness that we feel that's this been this whole journey about aa huh we know from saint paul what no eye has seen nor ear heard nor the heart of man conceived what god has preferred for those who love him yet those who have a true spiritual awakening understand that now that they have been transformed by the holy spirit how do they know that They have to live it and share it. That's what this is getting to. Now, step 12 says, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to addicts, which to us is our neighbor, huh? Carry it to our addicts. These are just the two great commandments. Love God, be loved by God, be filled with God, and carry it to other addicts. And then finally, to practice these principles in all our affairs. What does that mean to bring bring this into our lives? To talk, to talk, to walk, to walk. That's how you know. Because you're doing something that for whatever reason was not possible before. Loving those that didn't love you back, being able to go in the world, seeing things in the world that you weren't able to see and do before. We're born anew. Now we know better. See, the great paradox again, to find yourself, you must give yourself away. But you cannot give what you don't have. So in the beginning, you know, that's what this we were in this ambit of God's love. John Paul took us before sin, and then sin came, right, distorted that, twisted and distorted, and separated us from divine life and love. And now Christ came back into the story and gives Himself away. Russell Brand writes in his book Recovery. In my experience, a person reaches out for help. So he's talking, so he's in AA. Somebody, so it's his experience when somebody reaches out to him for help. He says, "I think I'm not doing that." What's in it for me? Then I realize that I no longer approach life from that perspective and agree, and I agree to be of assistance where possible. Then I find myself, for example, in a prison talking about drug addiction. And I think, it's, and I sometimes say, you know, the person that I used to be would not have done this. He was too selfish. I, on the other hand, am doing it. Therefore, I am no longer that person. Usually I don't mention that. Used to be could refer to a time as recently as that morning. These are battles we fight, isn't it? In my working of the 12-step, he goes on to say, it's the understanding that I always default if I'm not careful to self-centeredness. If I don't work on my mental and spiritual state, I will automatically become selfish and indifferent to the suffering of others. My condition, Brand, goes on to say, alcoholism, huh? Will always lure me back, or my condition my broken uh, 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 person, right? The broken person that I was will always and 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 this passion, uh, the world, the passions, distorted passions, you know, untwisted and unfilled with the spiritual awakening. Uh, if I'm left alone, will always lure me back back to sex, back to drugs, back to selfishness. In step 12, uh, he goes on to say, we commit to a different way of life and a different reason for living. And this step is the confirmation that the point of this whole process is to induce a spiritual awakening, that our problem was living in an egocentric and self-centered prison, and that our new motivation is desire to help others. This still startles me, he said. The one thing I've always been pretty certain about is that this life is all about me. Me and my feelings, my causes, my hopes, my dreams, my triumphs, my failures, for better or for worse, usually worse, I am the protagonist in this drama. Well, this unusual, this uh, unsound mental health, he said, always led me back to familiar destructive behaviors. This, I now believe, is because at my essence, the place in me that remained untainted by the decades of self-abuse, I always knew that self-centered pursuits were hollow, and, and diversionary. So so he knows this. John Paul talked about this often, doesn't he? You know, this. we have this echo in our heart in this deep place called the heart. If we get in touch with it, we have an echo in our heart that reminds us, that knows about this, this time before sin that we're, we're called into. And it knows that once it hears it, once it steps into that story, it says, yes, this is right. Russell goes on to say, this knowledge is our true home. It is from here that we feel the resonance of heroism of heroism either. We can be a hero from here. It's from here that we empathize and we love. It's to this ever-present inner sanctuary that we yearn to return. How, how ironic that all my addictive behavior seem so unholy, so carnal. Hedonism and decadence propelled by the certainty that only pleasure is real. There's no meaning beyond that. In mitigation, I offer that outside of quaint tales and obscure religion, the world told me again and again and again that this was so, that all that matters is what you can get out, what you can control, what you can own. But my experience told me something different, and it refused to verify this myth of my culture because the fame did not fulfill me, the sex did not fulfill me, nor the money, nor the glamour, or the evanescent uh, evanescent power. None of it could get inside to where I truly resided, where I remained alone, end quote. Huh? You know, we have a name for this deep place within which Russell Brand is, where, where he truly resided and remained alone. It's called the heart. The catechism and scripture will, call us, it will tell us it's a deep place where prayer comes from. It's that place that only you and God go to meet. The catechism beautifully describes it this way. It's that the heart is the dwelling place where I am, where I live. According to a biblical expression, the heart is the place to which I withdraw. The heart is our hidden center, beyond the grasp of reason and other people. Only the spirit of God can fathom the human heart and know it fully. The heart is the place of decision, deeper than our psychic drives. It's the place of truth, where we choose life or death. It's the place of encounter, because as image of God, we live in relation. It's the place of covenant. Again, think marriage. It's that place where we join in this union and communion with God. Not tomorrow, right now. You know, uh, Father Browning will always uh, say or often say, you know, the heart is that place where only two people meet, you and God. Huh? It's not hard to see why the heart also referred to as our will. This deep place where only two people meet, you and God, where we're alone with God, that's that sacred, sacred place. huh? This is the place that I want to visit often. But you, in order to visit that, you have to make a decision you have to use your intellect, your mind to connect with your heart, your will, and go deep huh and to commune with God there you enter there into prayer. if our heart is far from God, the words are the, the words of prayer are in vain. you know it's not just about mumbling words, is it It's about meeting God there. in fact you can meet God there without uh without a lot of words huh without any words. you know prayer is simple and yet the most profound action we can take. For If we open the door to God, as Father Browning said in our last episode, prayer is the raising of the mind, intellect, and heart will to God. God comes to us, and in this union and communion, this personal relationship with him, he transforms us. God does that by entering into. Into us, when we when we when we meet him in prayer, prayer is like opening the door to him. Huh? We're calling out to him, just like Bill W. did in the last session. Bill W. gets down and finally, at the end of his rope, he says, "If there's a God, come here, you know, come in." That was his prayer. We're in embodied spirits; that's our natural state. When we open up to the supernatural and enter into that story, huh? by entering into a life of prayer, we open up our spiritual nature, which is our intellect and will, to God. Let him in, intellect, our mind, will, again, our heart, our our spiritual faculties, our highest faculties. When we enter into prayer, it's the raising up of this intellect, the mind, and the heart, the will. God enters and, and, and comes in this covenant, this marriage, this union, and that'll change everything about us. It will influence our emotions and our passions that, if left unchecked, can run us in all kinds of directions. Now, being led by our higher faculties, which is the way we were created to be, we are free. We are free and we can aim our intellect and will at God. He will show us what is true, what is good, and what is beautiful. It seems so simple. You know, it's the old story of Adam and Eve. We all stand at a sense at the tree. What a tragedy it is to, life, to live a life in disconnection when all it would take is a simple connection in the heart. Here we find the eternal wellspring. Here we move from cut flowers to a life of communion and union, a life that will take us to the stars. This is where we're headed. To the stars, I mean, we touched down here for a very short time, right? We get this idea again that eternity, heaven, is something for another time. Yes, in fullness, it's for another time. But eternity is not tomorrow. Eternity is forever. We are eternal beings already here to make a decision, huh? God is not lost. We are. God is not hiding. We are. Prayer is the most powerful, and, and, and the most powerful prayer we can enter into is what? It's the mass, If you're not going to confession and receiving the Eucharist, ooh, you're missing out at a place where heaven and and earth literally kiss, and you are there for that. When Jesus literally pours himself out in holy communion, where we already are in the here and now, and we enter into one flesh with him. Can you imagine that? We move to where Jesus was pointing us to, the marriage of me, you, God, and all of us in the church that say yes, fiat, our yes, like our blessed mother, yes to the indwelling of God himself, to the marriage proposal of the lamb. Christian prayer is how we enter into this covenant relationship already here in the now. Why would you decide not to say yes to that adventure, right? Jesus is that bridge that opens the tree of life. That is, he's already opened the door between the fallen world and the life that we seek. He's, He's the bridge that bridges that gap We go into him to move beyond the constraints of this world, prayer puts us on that bridge of Christ. Think about the cross. The cross is the bridge. It's the action of God and man springing forth from both the Holy Spirit and from the heart, wholly directed to the Father in union with the human will of the Son of God made man. Let me just put that in other words. You know, when we start to pray from the heart, Jesus breathed on us. Remember the last session? And he breathed the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells within us. We're the receptacle of the Holy Spirit. So when we pray from the heart, we pray with the Holy Spirit into the bridge and the heart, the sacred heart of Jesus who opens up for us and opens up to us and, and, and that road to the Father. Huh? So our prayer is directed solely at the Father, our heart, right, in union with the human heart of Jesus, huh? where Jesus brings the divine in, into the human, and then he pours that out to us so that we can receive the divine, huh? this breath again. This movement of the heart, mind, and union with God is a spiritual awakening. That's what it is. Now we seek to share this relationship with others. The big book says that practical experience shows that nothing will more ensure immunity from drinking and to get over our addictions as intensive work with other alcoholics to give yourself away. For my own spiritual gifts to grow. I must give them away so that my life becomes a living, breathing, moving flower or branch connected to the vine. See, I draw deeply from the source, and then I let that pour out, allowing the grace to flow and constantly be replenished in me. That's what the spirit wants, huh? The Pope's thesis, don't forget, you know, our bodies, in fact, our bodies make visible the invisible, the spiritual and the divine. Our bodies were created to transfer into the visible reality of this world, that mystery hidden from God, from all eternity in God, and to be a sign of it. And what is that mystery? God is an eternal exchange of love, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We receive that, and then we become that. Love only gets in the world through us. And I show and tell that story that unites my spiritual awakening to God himself and and makes it visible in my body. I give that away so people see it and can taste it and come into the story. And as it does that, my spirituality grows, my spiritual gifts grow. To conclude this episode in the series, life is is a journey of entering into union and communion with God who created you in love by love for love. Your body, body, and soul was created to be a receptacle receptacle of God's trinitarian love. And the whole meaning of, of our purpose in life is to express that love. Always be on the lookout to love someone. Make it your duty and purpose. You know, Agathe and says, man cannot fully find himself except through a sincere gift of self. Russell Brand writes about how grateful he has become for the life he has. He He is often startled by the transformation that took place within him. Yet he realizes that freedom from addiction is a choice. The intellect and the will making the decision. Now we're free. Remember that these are our spiritual faculties and we were given this so that we can freely choose love. You cannot force someone to love you. It must be free. Bill W. chose life that day on his knees and so have many others. Now the fruits of the Holy Spirit are his. When Jesus breathed on them, received the Holy Spirit. And then the next verse, he said, "And I, I came to forgive sins. Huh? The power, I give you the power to forgive sins, huh? to break down all the barriers. What does this mean in Bill's life, in my life, in your life? The catechism, again, does a beautiful job on this. The Holy Spirit, God's gift. Catechism number 733 to 736. I'll put these in the show notes. God is the supreme good. God is love. And love is his first gift. The first thing we're going to receive, is are going to be poured with love. The Holy Spirit is the love between the Father and the Son, right? Containing all other gifts. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. I breathe on them. Huh? Because we were, we are dead, or at least wounded through sin. The first effect of the gift of love is the forgiveness of our sins. The communion of the Holy Spirit in the church restores to the baptized the divine likeness lost through sin. So we're created in the image of God. We can't lose that. But we, we lost the likeness. We're disconnected. And so this this our baptism, the forgiveness of sins being filled with the Holy Spirit, that divine likeness is regained again. He breathes into us, huh? He then gives us the pledge, or our first fruits of our inheritance, the very life of the Holy Trinity, which is to love. This is not that complicated, which is to love how? As God loves. If you ever wonder how that looks, just look up at a crucifix. This love that, you know, if you want to read about it, Corinthians one thirteen. it's going to tell you exactly what it is. It's, it's, not, it's hard to love. It's going to take self-sacrifice, right? This love is the source of new life in Christ, and it's now possible. We might not have been able to love others that didn't love us back before, but it's possible now because we received the power from the Holy Spirit, huh? Jesus didn't come from sin management. He gave us the power and breathed the Holy Spirit into us, and and by his passion, death, and resurrection, he he defeated sin and death. By this power, then, of the Spirit that he gave us, God's children can bear much fruit. He who has grafted us unto the true vine, will make us bear the fruit of the Spirit. Now think about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Think about this and think about the world of, a, of, of abortion and divorces and dysfunction and what's going on in, in our cities right now. The evil in the world is out there the evil in our own passions and desires that have been twisted and distorted by Satan himself, and then the fruits of the Holy Spirit, what we all look for. Don't we look for love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, self-control? That's what we get when we live by the Spirit. The more we renounce ourselves, the more we walk by the Spirit. You know, St. Basil wrote, through the Holy Spirit, we are restored to paradise, led back to the kingdom of heaven and adopted as children, given confidence to call God Father, Abba, Papa, Father, and to share in Christ's grace, called children of the light and given a share in eternal glory. I want to tell you a story. Um, there's so many good stories in the, in the, in the big book. And again, uh, very often they're anonymous, right? This gentleman is from Bernardsville, New Jersey. He's a, he, he stepped into AA, and now he's turning around trying to help someone else. You know, this, this is their tradition, and this is our tradition. And so he, he, he's telling the story. He says, this new man, I tried to help him. It was a humiliating experience. No one enjoys being a complete failure. It plays havoc with the ego, but nothing seemed to work. I brought him to meetings and he sat there in a fog and I knew that only his body was present. I went to his home and he was either out drinking or he sailed out the back door as I entered the front door. His family was beginning to enter a period of real hardship and I could feel their hopelessness. Then came the hospital episode, the last in his extraordinary record of hospitalizations. He went into the DTs while I was there and had convulsions so violent that he had to be shackled to the bed. He was in a coma and being fed intravenously. Each day that I visited him, he looked worse. He was slipping, and as possible as that seemed. For six days in a row, he lay unconscious, unmoving except in, for periodic shakes. On the seventh day, I again visited him. But when I passed by his room, I noticed that the restraints had been removed and the intravenous feeding tubes had been taken away. So I felt elated. He was going to make it. But the doctor and the nurse dashed my hopes. He was slipping fast. He was dying. And after I arranged to have his wife brought there, it occurred to me that he was Catholic and certain rites should be observed. It was a Catholic hospital, so I wandered down the hall, located a nun. She ended up being the mother superior. She notified a priest and then with another nun accompanied me back into the room. When the priest entered the room alone and the three of us, the three of us decided to sit on the bench in the corridor without any prearrangement, all three of us bowed our heads and began to pray the mother superior, the nun, and I, a Presbyterian ordained deacon. I have no way of telling how much time we spent there. I know the priest had left and had gone about his other duties, but what what brought us back to the immediate present was a movement we heard inside the room. When we looked in, the patient was sitting up on the side of the bed. We heard him say, all right, God, I don't want to be the quarterback anymore. Tell me what you want me to do, and I will do it. Well, the doctors had just told us that, 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 that they considered it physically impossible for him to move, much less get up. And before this, he had not uttered one word since entering the hospital. And then the next statement he made blew our mind, too. He said, I'm hungry. But the real miracle was what happened to him in the next 10 years. He began helping people, and I mean really helping. No call has been too hard, too inconvenient, too hopeless. He founded the AA group in his own town. He's embarrassed if you mention this to others or comment on the, on the amount of AA work he's doing. He's not the same man I was trying to 12-step that day. I failed in all my efforts to help the man I knew. And then someone, capital S, someone else provided that new man. Uh, thank you t- to Bill W., Dr. Bob, all the alcoholics and honors for the contribution to this, to this, uh, uh, these episodes in this program that I'm doing. And I have been doing over the last couple of months. Thank God uh, uh, for John Paul II, uh, my guardian angel and, and, and all my beautiful brothers and sisters, the father, son, and the Holy spirit, all of you who have joined us on this beautiful journey. Let me finish with a meditation from our beautiful uh, powerhouse of a saint. Our beautiful sister, St. Catherine of Siena, when she commented on this, she said that God's love for us is so unspeakably crazy that when we had become enemies because of our sin, God wanted to make us friends. Open the door of your heart, she said, for it's really rude to let God stand at the door of your soul without opening to him. Do not be satisfied with little things for God expects big ones. The coldness of our heart comes simply from our failure to consider how much we're loved by God. They are really They are really sad who let themselves die of cold when they could have been on fire. Now is the time to seek the gentle God because he is supreme goodness and is worthy of our love and searching. How big is our time? How big is our time here, she says, as big as a needle point, just a point of a needle. Not much time we have here. She said, let the dog of your conscience bark and gnaw when you consider that you have to give an account to God. Learn from the master of truth who preached virtue only after he had received it you would be the person, if you would be the person you are meant to be, you could set the world on fire. She said, become who you are and you will set the world on fire. Hey, glory to God. Thank you. Keep us in your prayers. And again, um, feel free to reach out to us anytime and get ready for the next episode. Thank you for joining us. Bye-bye, you guys.